to everyone that's listening right now. This is the On the Movie Front podcast. I am Robert. I am Michael. And we have a wonderful episode, wonderful. episode number 15. Oh, I forgot to say that's the 15 right. part. Got him. Yes. Yes. This is episode 15. We've been doing this for almost four months now. Yay. I think we should get a cake for our, for our like, 20th episode. Oh, that would be What's nice. like a milestone number that... I, well, 50 is a milestone. 50. But 50. 20 we should celebrate. See, I would I would feel like 50 would mark our like 50th week as well. Right. So that's close to 52 being one year. Oh, that makes sense. But then it's be, it can't be like, oh, here's our 52nd episode we're celebrating. Yay. Well, that's... That, no. We can celebrate the 50th episode and then our one year anniversary. <laughs> Two weeks later. Two, Two weeks celebrations. Apart. I like it. Okay, we're going to have a lot of cake. Everyone is invited, all you three listeners. Uh, uh Yes. And me, because I'll be listening to this episode, I, too. I actually listen to it, too, so yeah. maybe we have one more listener. Nice. Okay. Anyway, we have a episode full of movie, movie reviews. Mike saw Pirates. I did. Then we're going to go to our extended review of Blue Valentine that has been out on DVD for about two weeks now. We're going to go into some movie news. There's some interesting things we want to talk about. Spoilers. No, no, I mean, no spoilers. We should have a segment <laughs> just called Spoilers, and we just, like, go through some movies and just spoil them for That people. would be great. That would be mean. Maybe we shouldn't do that. I, I, t- I don't want to ruin the Gettysburg movie for you. <laughs> <laughs> Why did that pop into your Because I just saw a preview for it. It's it's going to be a new uh, a new thing. Oh, on I did see that. It's like a new special on AMC or, uh, right, right, or the right. History Channel, most likely. That's probably more accurate. <laughs> You're going to spoil it for me? I don't want to spoil it for I'm not going to tell you which side wins. Okay. I'm going to watch that. Okay. Watch the premiere so it's not spoiled for me. Then we're going to do some flick chart battling because that's a lot of fun. Oh my god, is that fun. And then we're going to conclude. We're going to conclude. Why do you say everything wrong, Michael? Because <laughs> I like to. That's kind of what I, I'm here for. Yeah, that is true. You are here to say things wrong and give awesome movie reviews. So get on with it. Let's do it. <clears throat> okay, so I saw just cough right I, into I the can't <laughs> not cough. I apologize, people out there. It's allergy season, and that makes me cough for some reason. Okay, so I saw Pirates of the Caribbean or Caribbean, whichever you like to pronounce. Caribbean. Uh, I also like Caribbean. Who's uh, this Caribbean? <clears throat> some people. They're wrong. I I agree, but so this is the uh, On Stranger Tides, the new movie out with uh, the returning Johnny Depp and also returning Jeffrey Rush. With uh, new characters of Penelope Cruz, uh, and uh, yeah, so this movie is basically uh, it is a prequel, and uh, it you know it takes place before the the three movies that we've uh, seen previously, and uh, it takes place where Jack Sparrow is basically uh, going in search of the Fountain of Youth, along with uh, Jeffrey Rush, who is representing the uh, um, the King of England, and um, <coughs> so he's also searching for. The, uh, the Fountain of Youth, and we also have uh, Blackbeard, who is also in search of the Fountain of Youth. So you have three dueling groups of people, uh, all with the same uh, goal in mind. And uh, so the movie takes twists and turns, and you're not quite sure who, what side Johnny Depp is going to end up on. And uh, it's very interesting. They have to catch a, a mermaid, which is a, a pivotal point uh, plot line in this story. I'm not giving anything away by saying that, um, but. Uh, so they go on this huge misadventure, and uh, yeah, it's really interesting. So, uh, you know, I don't want to give too much away. It's a, a very entertaining movie. You have to kind of just go in there and go along for the ride. It doesn't really matter even if I sat here and outlined the whole storyline for you. 
um, it wouldn't make a difference. You'd still have to go to watch the movie to just kind of be there for the enjoyment. Uh, I liked this movie to a point. I think it was... Uh, there were some good action scenes, and it was shot well and, and directed well, but its pacing uh, left a lot to be desired. It was kind of slow and very long. I almost fell asleep at one point, and I went to see the movie at like 2 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, so that shouldn't really be happening. Um, you know, and, and some of the some of the laughs were kind of like they fell a little flat, but, you know, it's just your typical Disney movie. It's It's more for the kids than... For anybody else, which is the same thing with all the other Pirates movies. Um, yeah, I mean, my other my other uh, gripe with the film is that uh, with a character like the one that Johnny Depp plays, Jack Sparrow, uh, he really he doesn't have a lot of depth to him. He doesn't have a lot of Johnny Depp to him. <laughs> and um, it, it makes it hard to base a whole story around a character like that. Because he's meant to be a side character, you know that was what his purpose was in the in the first Pirates movie, uh, but it just kind of transformed because he was so popular and he became more of a, a leading man in the storyline. So it's like you don't really, you never see him sad, you never see him angry. He's always joking. You never know when to take him seriously. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of hard to really be emotionally invested in Jack Sparrow because he doesn't seem to have any emotions at all. You know, you know he's a good guy, and that's really about it. So um, overall, you know, I uh, I thought this movie could have been a lot more enjoyable. I don't think it was as good as any of the other uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. It might have been set better than the second one, which was really awful. But you know, uh, my grade for this movie would be a 45 because uh, I'm just not a big fan. I mean, it was it was okay, and I would I would say if you like the Pirates movies, definitely go see it. It's enjoyable, but. Uh, you know, it left much to be desired. A 45. Yes, sir. That's a little below uh, the 50 mark, huh? Yeah. It wasn't quite a 50 for me, mainly because I almost fell asleep. I think if I didn't fall asleep or didn't almost fall asleep, then I would have gave it a 50. Now, you said you liked it better than the second one, but not as good as the first or third one. Is that what right. you said? Correct. Did I hear that correctly? That is correct. Good, because I wasn't kind of paying attention while you were talking. <laughs> no I'm worries. Just joking. Um, so the three main characters are played by Jeffrey Rush, Johnny Depp, and Penelope Cruz, right? Yes. And they are all on the search. Well, there's also the character of Blackbeard, uh, <coughs> who's, a, who's a pretty main character. And now, are all these four main characters on the search for this Fountain of Youth? Yes. And they all are doing this for separate reasons? Yes. And th does the movie explicitly tell you each an individual person's reasons for getting the Fountain of Youth. Yeah, it does. It, it, it explains it. And you even actually have also the French, who are not in the majority of the movie. They only show up at the Fountain of Youth once everybody gets there. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Is uh, there sort of like a bad guy character? Because I feel like... Yeah, the we Blackbeard know plays the bad he's guy. He's the bad guy. Yeah. So, but you're pretty much happy if the other any one of those other three gets the Fountain of Youth, as long as it's not Blackbeard. Right. And but you're not even really sure exactly why Blackbeard is a bad guy. They don't really explain it ever. He's just kind of like the word Ooh. black in his yeah. name. You know, I think that does it until like the very end of the movie when he does this one thing in, in regards to Penelope Cruz. That's the only time you see him do anything bad. Otherwise, he's just a menacing uh, captain of a ship. Okay, and we I mean Penelope Cruz, Johnny Depp, Jeffrey Rush, all awesome actors. Would you say they just had fun in this? I thought Jeffrey Rush, I guess, would be the strongest actor in the film. Mm -hmm. uh, his performance was like was was very enjoyable. 
Penelope Cruz, I don't know, you couldn't understand what she was saying most of the time. She just kind of like mumbles on in, in her accent, uh, which is highly <laughs> unbelievable wait, wait, in this film. Oh, so she's not her natural accent. But a pirate accent, you can understand. No, what it's she was her saying. natural accent. You, so you're just saying you can never understand what she's saying in general. A lot of the times, I think that that is actually true. <laughs> I think more so in this movie because she talks extremely fast the whole time. That's like her character. I think that's like the Spanish way of talking. I'm not even sure if she's Spanish. One of those Latina ways yeah. of talking. They just talk really quickly. Yeah. Got to tell her to slow down next time. I like. I would. <laughs> but her character is just written very poorly. It's just kind of flattened there. Did you notice a difference between the first three and this, like, directing-wise? Because Rob Marshall took over this movie while Gore Verbinski did the first three. Was there, like, a... Uh, it seemed pretty pretty cookie-cutter to me. It's very similar. Straight-up action-adventure yeah. comedy. Exactly, you know. yeah. But you had a good time watching the movie, right? It I mean, was okay. It a 45. Yeah, know. I mean, I didn't hate it. Like, it was, you know, I was able to make it through and not, not be extremely disappointed. I, I just... You know, I thought it could have been more fun, funnier. Did you stay after the credits? No, was there something after the credits? Yeah, there was something after Why is there always something after the credits? This is getting annoying. <laughs> I keep missing this. Someone has to inform me of all these things. I thought you would know, Michael. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did not know you were going to see Pirates on Saturday. I would imagine it would just be like a teaser for the next Pirates movie. I assume so, but I mean, right. it, might not, it might even be online by now. We, you might have to check that out. Okay, I'll have to Google it. I, you're the first person right now to, to, to inform me of this. Really? Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so yeah, that's uh, that wraps up my review of The Pirates. Tell me why I should go see this movie. I, I'm at a loss for words. So you don't recommend this movie at all? I mean, I... Do you like the other Pirates movies? I like the first Pirate movie a lot. Okay. Well, this is nothing like that. <laughs> That's With the, the exception that That's Johnny Depp's in it. <laughs> I felt like the first movie was kind of like a standalone film in itself. And then Absolutely. the next two were just like, okay, it's almost like a completely different feel. So do you say this movie is more like the last two than the first one? I'd say this movie is really like none of them. It's its own little adventure, you know. It's It definitely could be a standalone movie by itself. But you see the sequels coming after this. Yeah, yeah. they set up some things, some cameos and stuff like that, uh... The character of Jack Sparrow's father is in this film. Um, you have no idea really why. He's in it for very short, and then he disappears. So it's just like, they're definitely setting up that he's going to be a pivotal character in another one of the movies. And uh, also, you see, see uh, James Duty Dench is in the film. I did hear about that. Yeah. I heard she was <coughs> in it for like 20 seconds. Yeah, 20 seconds. <laughs> and it's like, if you hadn't watched the other movies, you really wouldn't understand why. Because she plays... I have watched the other movies, and, and I, still don't don't th- I still don't think if I saw sure. the movie, I would have known. I'm pretty sure she's in. She's like the queen in one of them, right? Of something? <laughs> I don't remember. See, like that, that's one of the problems, I think, with Pirates. Like, no one remembers what happened in the, the first three movies. I mean, I remember the first one, because I, I think I watched that quite... I enjoyed that movie a lot, and I watched that when it came out on DVD quite a few times afterwards, but... Second one was bad. Third one, I guess, did its best to wrap up second's mess, but I never watched those two movies more than once. Yeah. And maybe that's why it's all just a fog in my head. I'm like, what happened throughout those those movies? And they were long, which um, the, the running time for this movie was two hours and 17 minutes, which is actually shorter than the last two pirate movies, so I, I think that's a little bit... Yeah, it felt longer, though. It felt long? It felt long. 
never good when a movie yeah. feels long. No. Especially for a summer blockbuster. Also, I will give one little spoiler away. This is something that kind of irked me. Spoiler! Okay. So, the mermaids in the film are apparently vampires. They <laughs> they have vampire teeth, and uh, they use that to eat the flesh off of men that they sink into the ocean with them. And they devour them like piranhas in like 2.3 seconds. They like rip all the flesh off their bone. You oh. have a problem with these vampire mermaids. I don't understand why they needed to have fangs like vampires. That didn't seem to make any sense to now, me. Now, Michael, have you ever met a mermaid before? Um, at least two. At least two, and they did yeah. not have fangs? No. Well, I have never met a mermaid, so I don't okay. know if they have fangs or not. I guess the, uh... I don't know, I just, it felt like they were trying to tap into, you know, the whole vampire Ooh. culture. I see what you're saying here. That's interesting. Uh, it seemed forced. Like the, it seemed like the the mermaids already had enough going for them. The fact that they're mermaids, <laughs> no, I never, the fact that they can like lull people with their songs and and sink them into the ocean and kill them like they I didn't need things. I, I, I didn't know mermaids were this violent. No, well, I think of mermaid very violent. I think of the little mermaid and Ariel, and she would she would never do something like that. She wouldn't. No. That's disappointing. I thought yeah. mermaids were very nice creatures, like the Tom Hanks film Splash. Ah. That mermaid was awesome. Yes. Her and Ariel put them together, and now you get these violent mermaids. I'm not liking this. <laughs> I'm not liking this. this is, you're just making me not want to see the movie. Yeah. So you're saying you are saying you don't recommend this movie. If you're a diehard Pirates fan, I'd say go see it. Otherwise, I'd say you can skip it or catch it on DVD if you're really bored. Now, were you surprised or not surprised that it made... I, don't, I can't even say the word only, because that's kind of... You know, suggesting it was a disappointment, but it only made about like I think ninety something million dollars its opening weekend. It didn't even hit the one hundred million dollar mark. I'm not surprised. I I am surprised it made that much money. I'll say. Really? Yeah. I didn't I didn't feel like there was a huge buzz around this movie like there had been with the previous Pirates movies. But then again, you know, because it is for kids, like you can never really accurately guess how many kids are gonna how many parents are gonna take their kids to go see a movie. So it seems like it, it's always an impre- impressive numbers. Mm-hmm. 90 million is a great opening weekend for any movie. Super. So I think you'd see it drop down a lot, though, next weekend. 40 million, maybe 30. Well, yeah, because we got uh, Kung Fu Panda coming out next weekend, so I think that's going to take away a lot of the uh, box office numbers from Pirates. And like you know, like you said, you know, word of mouth isn't very positive for Pirates right now. It's, right. I think it's it was like 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. Right, right, so... That's not the and you saw this in IMAX 3D. I did. I didn't know I was gonna go see it in IMAX 3D. How was the 3D for Pirates? Um, it wasn't there for a lot of the movie. It was very disappointing. You can see that they clearly upconverted this, which I thought like when you when I, the movie was coming out, I thought they said they were shooting it in IMAX 3D, but it was very evident that you know it was like it was what was weird is like the first maybe 45 minutes there was a lot of 3D. And then it just kind of died out. Like, I didn't notice it at all throughout the, the remainder of the film. Hmm. Except, like, one or two points. Which was very bizarre to me. You know? So and how I'm much, pretty how conscious much, of that stuff. How much so. was that ticket? IMAX 3D Pirates at 2 o'clock on a Saturday. It's $14. Okay. So, well, so it's you, like, you normally, pay, like, 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 $18. Right, right, right. Yeah. Man, that's and a then you pay, the three, you pay the three extra dollars for the glasses. Really? Yeah, every time you pay for a 3D or an IMAX film, $3 is built in for a pair of glasses. Ah. That's why it's more expensive. You get to keep the glasses? You're not. They ask you to recycle them. 
I don't well, think what are they, do they do they reuse those recycled glasses? Oh yeah, ours were dirty. Oh yeah, yeah, because the IMAX ones they don't come in plastic. The mm-hmm. 3D ones they come in plastic, so you're getting a new pair every time. I, I at least I think um, either that or they reseal them. Because oh yeah, yeah, because it does come in the plastic. Oh, that's interesting. But the IMAX ones they definitely were not in plastic, and they uh, just like take it off the rack. And they yeah, they it, take right? it off the rack, and ours were uh, mine was dirty. <laughs> I had to clean it. <laughs> that was like a little disturbing to me, you know. Like, they didn't wash them or anything, mm-hmm. I don't think. So, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. Hmm. Was there, like, a love interest with uh, Penelope Cruz and Johnny Depp? I'm just, like, curious. Because there usually is a love interest it's like in every movie. It's like they had something going on before this film. And they, you know, they said they were interested in each other. Or they had been together at one point and he left her. And he thinks, you know, he had, he quote-unquote, quote, uh, quote he had stirrings. Aren't, aren't exactly feelings. <laughs> They're the beginning of a feeling, and uh, once he noticed those, he had to leave. So there was basically no love interest throughout the entire film. I mean, I guess you could consider her that, but no, because they never get together. That's interesting. I like it. They might in future movies, but I really felt like this was the end of Penelope Cruz. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I. I mean, she's not dead, but I just feel like dead. that character won't be in another two movies. Who knows? Bold prediction, Michael. Predicted right here <laughs> on the movie front. All right. Well, anything else you have to say? No. No. Not at all. No. Okay. <laughs> well, that's our. Uh, again, I am. I have to apologize. I haven't seen a movie in a really long time. Lame. I did see Dory a couple weeks ago. That's right. So I guess I have to watch a movie. I actually went to go see Bridesmaids, but it was sold out. Ah. Like crazy is that Bridesmaid did did well a second weekend yeah yeah because the word of mouth is is spreading it's gonna be a strong like mm. it's gonna be around the 20 millions for a while I yeah feel, that's you know. nice that's you know that's really nice I'm sure Kristen Wiig will be in like 30 movies from now on did you hear that uh, they, they have they've been making a sequel discussing making a sequel yeah I can't see it as right. part of that movie but I, at the same time I wouldn't be surprised when a movie's that successful you know yep It'll Case in point, Hangover 2. Yep, which comes out this weekend, Michael. Woo-hoo! You're going to go see it. Yeah, but I don't think I'm going to be in love with it. <laughs> Were you in love with the first one? I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in love with it. I did think it was overrated. I still kind of think it's overrated. I, I really enjoy, like I said, I love Zach Galifianakis, so for me, like, it's awesome having him on screen, and I really like the cast of the movie, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I I liked it, but I I did think it was like getting way too much praise. Right. It's like the same thing. I feel like there's this like um, frat fraternity culture in America that like anytime it's like a movie that's about drinking or beer, it's like oh it's awesome just because these guys are doing debaucherous type things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's kind of hyped up too much and uh, detrimental to society. Ooh. Take that. Big words, Michael. Take that, take that fraternal brothers. <laughs> Alright, so we're going to take a short break, and we're going to be back with our extended review of Blue Valentine. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. And guess what? We're back. Yay. Yay. You you were excited. I'm super excited. So what do we have to talk about now, Michael? Blue... Valentine. Not just the title in itself. It's kind of like Blue Valentine. How do you feel about the Blue Valentine title? I feel amazing about the t- title. Why amazing? No, like, I don't know. Like, you know, you think Valentine, you're like, oh, love. 
you know, and, you and then it's blue. blue. But it's like when I think of the image of blue, it's like bright, it's colorful, it's, right? It's, right. It's, it's uplifting. Not, okay, but, it's but not like Black Valentine, like that would be a huge, a, a extremely different movie. That would be that. That'd be have goth people in it. I, I would think that this movie would have been better served as Black Valentine. Black Valentine. I think so. Black is more like evil. Blue is more like sad. I don't think that blue necessarily trend uh, comes across as. Sad. Well, I mean, I'm just going with like the the Christmas song, Blue Christmas. That was kind of a sad. Mm. I'll have a blue Christmas without you. We'd have you. to take a poll, see how many people think blue is sad. Oh man, blue sad. I'm raising my <laughs> hand right now. Is the poll done? Yeah, well, it's fifty fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to flip a coin for it. All right, so Blue Valentine was a movie in 2010. Um, Michael just recently watched it because it's out on, out on DVD now. Yep. I watched it when it was out in theaters maybe a couple months ago. I don't remember. I haven't watched it since, so maybe my details are going to be a little sketchy. So all I right, well, to be I all like, jump in. you got to pounce on it like a, like a jaguar to a gazelle. Okay. Dude, I don't know if jaguars eat gazelles, though. Can I be a kitten? Sure, <laughs> I, I guess you can. They like to pounce. You could be the kitten, and I could be the ball of yarn. <laughs> Anyway, uh, 2010 movie, Blue Valentine, starring Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. This is a movie about a married couple whose relationship is simply falling apart. And I believe the beginning of the film, we see the, the couple in present day, and it's just, it's just you, you just know something is off. Their, their, their relationship is very troubled, they're fighting, they, just, they don't really show affection towards each other anymore. And then for the rest of the film, it's kind of... Uh, flashbacking to when they first met, fell in love, and started um, to blossom what their what was their marriage. And I believe six years ago, maybe around there. Around, I don't know how much time passes. I, I, yeah, between I, would, the flashbacks. I, I would say probably like six six to eight years. Right, it wasn't that long. It wasn't like they've been married for fifteen years, but like they did spend a good portion. You know, six years is a long time to right. be in, in in a relationship with anyone. But so essentially, that's the movie. <laughs> It's about these two. Oh, they also have a kid, uh, Frankie, and uh, she's uh, she's she's young. I would say she's six, six, six years old, six to eight. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because uh, and, and obviously when they're falling in love, she's not around. Right, and so yeah, the the the, the movie isn't really like full of plot points, but it's full of emotion. It's full of character development. It's full of chemistry between Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. And from what I remembered, I loved this movie a lot. Even though it was pretty damn depressing, I liked it a lot for how truthful and honest it was about, you know, just showing a marriage that is kind of in ruins right now. And, you know, the character of Dean, which is uh, played by Ryan Gosling, he's trying to do do anything he can to salvage what's left of the marriage. And Cindy, which is the Michelle Williams character, has kind of gotten to a place in her life where she just doesn't know what she wants anymore. She doesn't know, you know, how to deal with her situation. So we have two very conflicting characters who are, you know, married with each other and they have a child and they have to either think about themselves, think about the child, think about each other. It's it's a it's kind of a train wreck that we're watching in front of our eyes, and it's even sadder because when it's, when you see the flashbacks of them meeting together and, and you know kind of showing all like the goofy you know romance that they shared in the beginning, just like any um, blossoming relationship, everything's good in the beginning and everything's kind of just fun. You put yourself out there, you meet someone for the first time, you share a lot of firsts with each other. It it goes on from there, and it's interesting that 
you see essentially the beginning and you see essentially the ending. Right. You're never positive because it's never really shown what happens in the middle. Right. Like, n not there's nothing concrete that you know or see that happens in the middle that causes them to fall apart with each other. In a way, I really like that part because I feel like that's not important. I feel with movies like this, with dramas like these, when the characters are so real, the viewer has a chance to relate to the characters in the movie. Maybe not directly, but they can understand what they're going through. Maybe because they've experienced themselves, maybe because they know someone who's experienced it. And I feel with these two characters, I kind of related to the situations in one way or another through my life. And I think that might have been a huge purpose of this film. I'm going to stop talking now, Mike, because you have this look like, whoa. <laughs> well, I, I just think it's it's really interesting, you know, a lot of the things you're saying. Like, I feel like, you know, half of this movie really works and half of this movie doesn't work at all. I think the, the flashbacks of them falling in love and, and that relationship is is awesome and, ex and very powerful. And they talk about a lot of... Obviously, also, we're going to be spoiling the movie here, so... Um, Extended reviews, we spoil the yeah, movie. I just want to remind people about that before I go ahead and spoil it. It's funny that we always say that in the middle. <laughs> we never say it in the, the beginning. beginning. We always we should remember the next time. Anyway, um, you know, the, the, the powerful parts when they're falling in love, and um, what happens is Michelle Williams' character uh, is, you know, finds out she's pregnant with an, ex, an ex-boyfriend's baby, and she knows that. And she tells Ryan Gosling because their relationship is just starting around that point. And it's like, you know, he makes the decision that, like, he he really is, like, beginning to fall for her and love her. And he wants to just, you know, put all his chips in and, and just make this relationship it and, and, and raise her and raise the child, you know. And uh, it's, it's so moving and, and so powerful that you see this love develop and this relationship develop. And it's kind of on a fast pace. Um... You know, because they they meet and then they're like you know going out for a couple weeks and it's, then she's pregnant and then they're like deciding to just just do it you know and then you see them get married. They um, do. They have a courthouse marriage, I believe, right? But it's it's about like eight or nine, you know, seven or eight months into the pregnancy. Right. Um, you could tell that she's you know maybe a month away from having the baby. Uh, and I feel like that those flashbacks in that first half of the movie work so well. But where you're saying how you connected with, you know, the fact that this was, like, falling apart uh, and you didn't know why, I didn't connect with that. To me, I just, I couldn't understand it. You know, it was just like, okay, well, I understand that their relationship has fallen apart, but I don't, I, it doesn't make any sense why. You know, I don't have any kind of inkling, not an idea about where it went wrong or what happened to make it go wrong. You know, or or even something about when they were falling in love in the first half, um, in the flashbacks, if there was, like, a, a thing where we saw Michelle Williams kind of, like, not being sure about, about Ryan Gosling, or s something to kind of give you an idea that maybe this would happen, you know? It seems so foreign, and, like, yes, I understand that this happens all the time in relationships. People fall in love, and then they fall out of love. But it's, like, without some kind of reason, without some kind of actual for me like what I would consider character development I don't I don't know where this these this motivation from both of them is coming from you know I don't really know who the wrong person is in the situation which I actually kind of like that aspect I'm not sure whose fault it is but I want to know yeah I want to be invested in them falling apart I want to be upset that they're falling apart 
Actually, let me phrase that, because I am upset they're falling apart because I get invested in them falling in love. But I want it to make sense why they're falling apart. And for me, it just didn't. Right, no, I 100% agree with you. It doesn't make sense because the movie never tells you. But I think I like that because it doesn't really matter. There's, there can be a million reasons why the relationship falls apart. And I think that's open to interpretation that, okay, it could be any one, any five, any hundred of those million reasons. Just the fact that they are falling apart and then that's what you see. You see them already already just like torn apart with each other and just, just that last string of hope that Dean holds on to. And you know that Cindy kind of wants it to work, but she is already like almost, she already almost abandoned shipped from, uh, from the present scenes. And just, it's, it's really frustrating to see them just give it one last go. The hurrah. I mean, the, the way he worked it is he wanted to take her out to a romantic, you know, weekend or, or night. And uh, they kind of wanted to relive, uh, right? Did they do it back in the, I don't know. I don't know if they, they did it back in the day. Or he just wanted to do something nice for her. Right. Something they wanted to get away, try right. to rekindle Right, rekindle their magic. And just that night kind of is anything but romantic. It's kind of... It, it, it gets kind of crazy there, and we don't know why uh, ex exactly, but we don't know what happened in the middle. But what we do know in the present day is that yes, um, Dean has kind of a drinking problem. He get he kind of gets mad because he get, he drinks a lot, and whatever happened, Cindy is kind of very blocked out towards him. Not sure if it is the drinking thing or not, but. It's uh that seems to be the result of whatever happens in the middle. So it seems like you were really bothered that you didn't know what happened in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I, I, not only am I bothered by what 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 happens in the middle is like all this end stuff where they just kind of like shove character down your throat. Like they say like four or five times that he's got a drinking problem, yet like we don't really see any consequences of it. You know, we don't see him like forget to pick up the daughter. We don't see him you know physically attack her you know we, we don't see anything that like really makes me believe that he's got a drinking problem i feel like that's just like i don't know but i think that's like why an exaggeration that's why it's really cool in this movie because you, because you don't see any physical abuse or any you can't take sides it's just the, the the notion that this marriage is falling apart and it's really no one single person's fault it's just falling apart. You wish they could rekindle it. You wish they could get back together, but they just can't. And it's it kind of like, oh, it just pulls at you because this is happening. And maybe you're upset because you don't know why, but I think it's kind of, I like that open interpretation. I, I, I understand what you're saying. Just for me, it, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. I, I, I couldn't be invested in that, you know? It... It didn't. It didn't tug at my heart as, as much. The you know the saddest part was at the very end when when you know Gosling has to leave his daughter. That that for me was really emotional because you see how much he loves his daughter. You know, but it had really nothing. I, like I at that point, you know, him and Michelle, they were two completely different characters. I kind of didn't care that they were breaking up. Like it didn't make it didn't make sense to me. I wasn't connecting those people with the the people in the beginning of the story. You know. Right. Right. And I, I think it's, uh, I saw this movie with uh, a couple people in the theaters, and I had, a con I had these interesting conversations following the film, and it was like the, the guys that I saw this movie with had one opinion about the whole movie in general and what happened to, you know, the demise of their friendship, uh, their relationship, and then the girls had a different opinion about why 
you know, their relationship fell apart. What was the guy's opinion? I, the guys, I mean, I, I, I'm i guilty of this too, until I thought about it a little bit more, but like immediately after the film, I was just like, what was up Cindy's ass? I was just like, Dean was hilarious, he showed caring, like, who, who what kind of guy would really just like, when you're in the start of someone's relationship, and they were just like, oh, I'm pregnant with my uh, ex-boyfriend's uh, kid, you know, and I want to keep it, you can stick her in if you want, and, and he was just like, such a big man to be like, you know what, it doesn't matter, you want to keep it, I'll be there for you, I'll be there for that child, just as long as we're together type of thing, like, that was awesome, and like, that's the kind of guy that Dean seemed to be. And even towards the the present day story, he really wanted to rekindle the magic that they had together, and he seemed like he really did try to make things work. But she was just like, she had that block on. She she just didn't. She was already she already checked out. It seemed uh, during the present story. So I, I want. To I would like to her. add to that and say like you know another thing was like Michelle Williams uh, not being not really like seeming to care as much about the the kid Frankie as he. Did. She was kind of more selfish. In deciding that they can't work things out together, and he and he even brought up what about Frankie? You know? Well, that, that's not what I mean. I mean, yes, that aspect oh. where you know she she was choosing to end the relationship in, instead of like stay together for the child. But I mean, like like in the beginning, like we see him uh, giving her, you know, like playing with her and feeding her cereal, you know, caring about the dog that's gone missing. Like he seems to be he seems to relate and talk to and 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 love you know, stronger than she does. And I think that has to do with a lot of the fact of where, you know, that that, that child is, you know, with someone that she hates or, mm -hmm. you know, has a huge distaste for. True. I mean, yeah, I would agree. I really didn't like Michelle Williams' character <laughs> throughout. Um, but yes, uh, to continue what I was saying before, the girls, on the other hand, kind of had this... I guess, I don't know, girls are going to back up girls or something like that. They, they were kind of saying that, like, all, like while we saw that uh, Dean was, like, sweet and, and really loving and stuff like that, he was kind of, like, he kind of had this effect to her where he just wanted to rekindle what they had when they first started out. But there was no, he didn't grow. He didn't change, to, per se. And it was, like, he was almost doing anything. Almost, she, he was almost begging her to make things work out between them. He wasn't really, kind of, you know, doing something to impress her. Uh, even though the, uh, the the going away thing, I guess, was his attempt. But I don't know. It was like kind of a kind of a, a cheap attempt, I'd say. And again, a lot of this stuff is just question marks and uh, assumptions because we don't see what happens. But from the the, pre the present day storyline, it kind of just like. I mean, I don't know. Did he even have a job present day? Yes. He what, was what a was painter. He? he was a painter? Yeah. Okay. See, like, <clears throat> I don't know. It just, it seemed like she kind of grew tired of the antics that he would go through from present day to uh, the past. And, you know, I guess uh, the girls were saying, like, you know, they don't like the guy when they just, like, don't change. Or they don't like him when they kind of just, like, bend over backwards just for the person. You gotta, you gotta like, stand up for yourself, too, you know? And I, I was just like, whatever, <laughs> whatever. But it kinda, I, don't, I mean, that's I think that's the the cool part about this film, where you can get so many different ideas, and it really does bring up that that question and discussion topic about relationships and about love and how you know, because because they kind of did rush into things in the beginning, and two lovebirds in the beginning just rushing into things, you know, that's going to likely fall apart 
somewhere in the middle or in the end and it, it just it just opens up that entire bag of marriage and you know whatever the fact uh, the stats are 50% divorce rates stuff like that right right so I mean I think if the movie did a good job at doing what it, it was out there to do yeah I mean I guess I guess you're right in that you know I, I think it did if the, if that is indeed what the movie sent, meant you know was trying to do then I think yeah it, it achieved that goal I just uh, I don't know I was left feeling at the end like I wanted to see more. I wanted to understand more. It just kind of felt like the story almost fell apart at the end. I don't know. Is I I I think that the writing lead leaves a lot to be desired. Right. Now, what did you think about the performances? I thought the performances were great. I thought both Michelle Williams and and um, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling, Jesus, uh, both did really really good jobs. I think you know I think uh, Michelle Williams did give a better performance than Ryan Gosling in the film. I, I really did think she had an amazing She had the, the tougher role. Uh, he was a lot more playful and like goofy and things like that. But I thought she did a really good job, you know, changing through the years. Uh, yeah, and I, I liked Ryan Gosling's character in the first half of the movie, and I thought his acting could have been, I don't know, I guess a little bit more specific toward the end of the film. I think I read it in a review. I'm not sure who wrote it. Probably Ebert. I think he said something like, "It's it's it's a lot harder to for for actors to portray um, t uh, like age 24 to 30 than it is from age 24 to like 60 mm. because there's such a slight change yeah. and you have to kind of express that in your acting and that's what these two characters, uh, these two actors, have to go through throughout this movie. And I thought that was really interesting because I didn't really think about that. Yeah, but yeah, it makes sense. Cool. I imagine that would be a really tough thing to do. I guess we could talk a little bit about um, the backstory about the production of this film, right? I think I, we talked about it back yeah. in the day. Like it took approximately eight, nine years for this movie to even start shooting. Right. I think the uh, the director writer, his name is Derek Cian. I don't know how to say his last name. Cianfranchi. Cian Franz. <laughs> Cian Franz. Pr we're probably butchering this name, and we apologize. But yes, this director-writer, he had the script. He gave it to Michelle Williams and Ryan Gosling uh, years before they actually started shooting, and they were immediately invested. But then Michelle Williams had a kid, and she didn't. She wanted to spend a lot of time with the kid, and just to make it work, because he was just like I, the the director couldn't imagine anyone else but Michelle Williams playing this role. He actually moved the entire set to her hometown so they could do it. So that was really nice. And I think the, yeah, the, the, uh, there was a lot of ad-libbing I felt throughout the film. And I, and I think it was just these characters knowing, just these actors knowing their characters so well that they just kind of, just, just like, here, have the camera roll and let's just act this scene out. You know, yeah. we, we know what we want to get at from the scene. These words don't have to be, you know, they're not in concrete. You, you can just change it a little bit. And... That was cool. I, th I think the chemistry was really good between these two actors. I, th I agree. I think the chemistry was really good. And I did know, like, it was to me noticeable that some of the parts were ad-libbed. And it kind of bothered me a little bit. Not not so much. Usually I really like stuff like that. But it just, it seemed kind of out of character at times. And, I, I, you know, maybe I'm being picky about it, but, yeah. Did you like that scene on the bridge? Uh, was because like, before I saw this movie, I kept on reading about this one scene on the bridge, and that's this is when um, uh, Cindy finally tells him that she's pregnant. Okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, 
<coughs> right. I read this. They were like the director would talk to the the, the actors individually and was just like to Ryan Gosling. He's like, you have you have to do whatever it takes to get the secret out of Michelle Williams. And he told Michelle Williams, don't do make sure you don't tell him the secret. And so and he was just like, okay, roll. <laughs> and so like they were just like going. I, apparently they shot over like forty minutes of footage for that like two minute scene. Really. But um. They were going back and forth, and he was just like pleading her. She was like, "I'm not. I can't tell you. I really want to, but I can't tell you." Type of thing. And all of a sudden, he just jumps on the railing of the bridge and just threatens her to jump. And <laughs> apparently, the production people were freaking out because there was no net. They had no idea he was gonna do that. They're like, "What if he slips and falls?" Like, the, I think someone, one of the uh, the producers, was like running down the bridge saying, "Stop!" You know, <laughs> just trying to get him to stop. And then obviously, finally, she told him in that scene. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, that was a pretty powerful scene, and. That's a common uh, acting thing. That's like a uh, something you practice in acting class 101. It's like you have a very simple objective. You can't tell this person this, and you all you want to know is that, and like go. That is that it's is so really funny cool. that that's what, how they yeah. achieve that because that's a, that is literally acting 101. <laughs> that's awesome though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel. Do you would would you have liked the movie better, or did you think it worked well uh, the way it was edited? Um, would you have liked to see this movie more straightforward from the beginning of the relationship and the end not have it cut up and flashback so much? I think it might have worked a little bit better. You would have liked it if, uh... Well, obviously, yeah, if, if you did that, you couldn't <laughs> cut out the middle, I guess, right? What's well, You could cut out the middle. What do you mean? Oh, like, like if, they did it do, if they did do it in order. Yeah. Like, it would be weird if they just cut out, like, five years of their relationship. I don't know. I don't think that would have been so weird. I think that actually probably would have made more sense. You would have understand that you're taking a leap here, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, obviously it was still clear with the flashbacks, but there were certain, like, the way they, there were, like, secrets about certain things that happen, you know, at first you don't know that the kid's not Ryan Gosling's, you know, I, I don't know that it's that important that it matters that it's a secret at first, you know? I think that almost actually takes away from the story at first, because you're, you're, like, trying to figure out, oh, well, and then you find out it's, like, not his, and... I was, like, fearing that, like, she wasn't going to tell him that it wasn't his. And mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know, those seemed like false emotions for me. Like, I didn't need to be feeling those things throughout the film. Right, right. And it doesn't help that they kind of did look pretty similar throughout the entire film. Right. <laughs> Whether it was six years apart or not. Um, uh, that's interesting because I think because of the way it was edited and cut up and uh, produced that way that it kind of draws comparisons to, like, slightly Annie Hall, which was kind of, it was just chopped up like crazy, Annie hmm. Hall. And, and it, it's interesting, because I think I read somewhere where Woody Allen, he um, he, he, he screened the... The Valentine? No, or no, no. Annie, Hall. Annie Hall, like, for the first time for people, yeah. and they hated it. And, it, and all, he's like, all I did was chopped it up, put it in, like, unchronological order, and then it won an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing I ever read. I'm yeah, like, I've, wow, read, I, I've heard that so before, weird. too, yeah. So, I don't know. I guess you could draw comparisons to that. And also, it's interesting that we're talking about Blue Valentine, because I feel like this film and the movie we talked about last week, Kids Are Alright, kind of has a slight, you know, dramatic marriage couple family feel to it. I would agree, and I would say that The Kids Are Alright blows this movie out of the water. Out of the water? I would. I don't know about Out of the Water. Kids I, Are Alright was awesome. I do agree with that. Yeah. But I did like Blue Valentine a lot. Um, really, for me, it was only the acting performances that really stood out about this film. And I, and I, I give them a ton of credit because they were phenomenal. But everything else was just kind of like, eh. 
It was kind of almost like the uh, the Before Sunrise, Before Sunset films. Have you seen those? No. There's Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, and then like it just everything is almost ad lib. They just know their characters so well, and they're just like a lot, a lot of dialogue. Yeah. And, like basically no plot whatsoever, but just a lot of talking about you know themselves and about life and about love. So. Okay, so let's just give our ratings for this film. Let's hear Mike's low rating. Uh, I I would give this movie a 60. A 60. I'm going to give it a 78. Wow. Because I did like this movie a lot. I can't believe that rating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to take another short break, unless you have something to say about Blue Valentine. Should have been Black Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a no. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we'll be back with some movie news and some flick chart battling. Okay? Okay. All right, we'll be right back. And we're back again. Are you sick and tired of us yet? No. Good. <laughs> You're you, you were speaking for the listeners' yes. point of view. Okay, good. So, movie news time. It's been a while since we did this, but there's been some interesting movie news out there. Like what, Rob? Like what? I'm tell you what. Guess what, Mike? What? There's a Muppets movie coming out soon. Get out of here. I don't think you knew about that, did you? I did not. <laughs> well, for those who didn't know, there is a Muppets movie coming out uh, this year around Thanksgiving time, and Jason Segel is in charge. Uh, I think he wrote it. And he wrote it, and he actually stars in the film with, along with Amy Adams and Chris Cooper. And it, it was kind of blowing up on the blogosphere because there is finally a teaser trailer that's on the web right now. Now, if you guys want to scope out this teaser trailer, it might be a little hard because it's under the title "Green with Envy." And I think they did this on purpose. They're trying to keep this under wraps for some reason. I think if the, the word that a Muppet movie is coming out is just going to receive great buzz because <laughs> it's been 11 years since the last uh, silver screen edition of the Muppets. And yeah, you know, not, we're, we're a little unsure. Uh, Sheehan and I, we watched the preview before the, the, trailer. the trailer before we recorded, and it was interesting. It was hilarious. It was very funny. We were laughing a lot, but it leaves us very unsure about what the movie is actually about because the trailer has nothing to do with the actual film right it kind of felt like a a romantic comedy between Amy Adams and Jason Segel until all of a sudden like what Muppets are in this movie yeah it's really funny you have to go check it out definitely check it out but that being said Mike how how interested are you to see this Muppet film when I first heard that there was a Muppet film that you know going to be a new Muppet movie I was kind of like Oh, that's pretty cool. I really... I used to love the Muppets. I'll probably end up seeing that on DVD. But then when I found out who was writing it and who was helming this project, Mr. Jason Siegel, I was pumped. Because I am a big Jason Siegel fan, and uh, I really want to see this movie now. I and now, after watching the, the, the trailer, I even want to see it more. It looks hilarious. It looks so funny. You know, we, we, we know from past uh, projects that Siegel has been in, he's pretty talented. Well, pretty, he's very talented. He's very musical, too. He's, 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 he wrote that uh, the Forgetting Sarah Morris show, the, uh, the, the ditties, with, uh, what was it? There's the some vampires. kind of the vampire puppet things. Yeah. And then like on How I Met Your Mother, he's playing the piano and singing you know the slapping song. 
And we know Amy Adams sings because she was uh, the star of Enchanted, the Disney feature. That's right. So that's a lot of uh, Muppets just sing. They just they just have a good time. And, and also the music person involved. behind the uh, the musical direction in this film is Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concords. If you've never heard of Flight of the Concords, go check them out. They have a TV show on HBO and also multiple comedy CDs. Right, and he they just write hilarious songs. Hilarious so there's songs. a lot of awesome talent behind this film. This makes us even more excited for it. And just to briefly tell you what the movie's about, you know, uh, Marshall and Amy Adams, they're like big Muppet fans, and they hear that they're going to tear down the uh, the Muppet Theater. Did you call him Marshall? I had to, I had to interrupt you, I apologize. <laughs> Marshall is his character on How I Met You Mother. I'm used to Jason say Marshall Siegel. so much. Jason Segel and Amy Adams, yes. And to say, uh, okay, so someone's going to tear down the Muppet Theater to the drill for oil, so to save it, they have to put on some kind of Muppet telethon. Uh, and try to raise $10 million. So they're trying to round up all the Muppets, like Kermit and Miss Piggy, and they're all doing something different. Because it's been 11 years. I guess they're trying to go with that flow, be like, okay, where are they now? Right, make it like a realistic thing. Like, oh, they've all separated. Like, it's a Muppet reunion. I find that awesome. It is going to be very interesting. I look forward to it. But there's also... Isn't there another Muppet movie coming out, too? There's some sort of, like, Muppet Murders or something that's coming out. Yeah. Um, But I don't know when that's coming out. I assume it's after this movie. Yeah, it was very easy to get those confused, because we're like, Muppet movie. And then you read this, and then you read that, and they're two completely different movies by different talent. Right, right, which is weird. Very weird. (laughs) But yeah. Also, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Jim Henson... uh, I think he died 21 years ago last week. Interesting. So it was, yeah, it was like he the was the mastermind yeah. of the Muppets, and after he re- after he passed, the Muppets really weren't the same again. Cause you can you can really tell the difference. Yeah, of they, just, they seriously dropped off after his ha- after his passing. Muppets were awesome, man. <laughs> they still are. I just want to <laughs> watch like a marathon of the Muppets. There's show. so many Muppet movies. There's like. So Easily like nine to ten Muppet movies. Muppet movies are My awesome. favorite one was the Christmas Carol. Oh, the Christmas Carol is a classic. As awesome, classic, awesome very movie. good. All right, um, Kermit Frog. What else? What do we got next? We got. All right, we have. There's an interesting article that Ty Burr wrote from uh, the Boston Globe. He's a critic there, and he kind of made some observations about misuses of the 3D digital lens that uh, the movies that he saw in Boston were using, and just to give you the lowdown on what he was talking about, but I do recommend reading his article that is on the uh, the Boston Globe's website, but he was basically saying how AMC and a lot of the big uh, movie theater companies, they've purchased thousands of these Sony 4K digital projectors that play 3D films, and it has this 3D lens on it that's very difficult to replace and put a 2D lens when they're playing a 2D uh, uh, film. So then a lot of these movie theaters, they've just been keeping the 3D lens on the projector while showing 2D films. And this, according to an expert, significantly um, lowers the quality and makes it 85% darker. And now Ty, Ty Berg, he, he, before he even like did any research, he just noticed watching some movies, like, why does this movie seem so dark? And um, I don't know if you have to be a film critic to realize this, or can just someone in the general public do. But, I mean, 
it, to me, it would be like a big deal because we we talk about 3D movies, and one of our complaints about 3D films is that it just seems dark naturally. Right. Because that's what 3D, you know, you have the darker lens, and then with the glasses on, it's basically you're wearing sunglasses, right, and right. it makes it darker. So everything they just have to shoot 3D movies a lot brighter than they usually do to make it have the same effect. So if they do have this 3D lens on the projector while they're showing a 2D film. Supposedly, yeah, it's it's almost like nighttime or something like that throughout the entire movie. Now we don't think, or at least we haven't really noticed that yet, right? Because we we it, did talk. Like, yeah, we tried to figure out if we could pinpoint a movie we had seen that maybe you know would be both, uh, and it's kind of difficult. It's difficult. We haven't, but now that it's brought to our attention, you know, I'm gonna kind of look at this right, because we were talking we were talking about the movie theater that we attend and how they show uh, 3D movies in certain theaters and. You know, if we do go see a movie that's 2D in one of those theaters, it's interesting to see whether or not we notice if it's darker or not. And the he, easiest way would be to tell is is, is if uh, you know we we go see a movie in that let's say you know theater two is always shows 3D movies. Uh, let's just use Thor for example. It always shows Thor in 3D, but there's a 2D version of Thor out. So you know, like maybe we saw Thor in 2D in that. 3D theater, but in a couple weeks when it moves theaters, we can go back and just maybe sneak in and watch for a couple minutes to notice if we see a difference in, in, in lighting. Definitely, yeah, because, I mean, we're paying some good bucks Absolutely. to see movies, and it's their responsibility to give us the best you know, experience and best... Because they're all moving to digital projectors now because it saves the movie studios lots of money for shipping reels and everything like that. All they have to do is just give them a file and they just have to play it now digitally. And it's a lot crisper, a lot cleaner digitally as well. The sound is better. So it, it, it makes sense. But if these, these movie theaters aren't doing what they can to make our experience the best that it can be for our monies, then, I mean... People have to start complaining, it seems, and that's what Tiber was getting at. He's like, you, everyone has to go out there and see, you know, whether or not you're getting what you're uh, what you're paying for, it. right? Because if we're watching something of poor quality, why are we going to pay twelve bucks for it? We could just watch a DVD; it'll be better. Yeah, but I mean, if this has been happening, and obviously it has in thousands of theaters, you know, people must not have been noticing. Well, or he he said he started noticing it uh, end of April, and he just wrote this article a couple of days ago. Hmm. So I, I, he obviously researched it too and got. I know, wonder if that's just because there's been a lot more 3D movies out recently that you would tend to notice. Right, like right. That. Maybe, maybe that that is true. But I think he said one way to notice it is that when the movie's playing, check if you're seeing a 2D movie and it's playing. If there's two beams of light uh, during a 2D film, then that means they still have the 3D lens on. One, you'll be interested. Unless you see, uh, if you see one beam of light, then it's a t it's either a different projector because not all of them use the same projector, or you know they did actually take off the 3D lens and have hmm. a 2D lens. All right, cool. Interesting. We gotta scope that out, Mike. All right. And um, yeah. So do that and let us know <laughs> on the movie front. Email us on the movie front at hotmail.com. All right. And our last movie news of discussion is The Tree of Life. Mike, we talked about The Tree of Life during our summer movie preview. Yes. And we kind of mentioned things, and we kind of mentioned that we have no idea what this movie's about. That's true. Well, guess what? What? It won the grand award at the the Canes, the Cans? I don't know how to say that. I don't know. Cons, maybe? Canes. <laughs> Canes. It won the big award at the very famous Robert De Niro music movie festival. Not music, movie festival. Is this a Robert De Niro festival? Is, is that he the, the one that does No, this? he does Tribeca. Oh man, I'm so confused now. Uh, Robert Don't Redford listen. does cans. 
Robert, it's Robert Redford's festival. He does a Sundance. Isn't Damn. that why it's called the Sundance Kid, right? Yeah, the you're right. Cassidy and the Sun. Wow, we gotta <laughs> do some more research. <laughs> don't listen Who to what cans? don't listen to what we just said. I don't know, but yes. So it won the big award, which was you know surprising to some, and others predicted it because it was probably the most hyped up mainstream film of the festival. And so, we're just going to give our thoughts about it. Uh, did you read anything about this film yet, or are you just saving up to when you watch it? I, tidbits, but I, I'm really trying to limit what I'm I trying read. To, yeah, I'm trying to not have the movie spoiled for me, though right. apparently it's not going to be spoiled, because people right. who have watched it have no idea what happened still. What I heard is it got booed at, at Cannes, yet won the award, which really confuses me. It's, it's very puzzling about how that happened. I guess the, uh, the, the public do not vote. And right, the, uh, the, the panel votes. Right. So it's it's getting lots of comparisons to movies that you have to rewatch a couple times to maybe get it or just have it sink in. So it's being compared to Space Odyssey. Right? Space Odyssey, yes, yeah, because we 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 discussed that in right. one of our episodes, and yes, it's one of those films that just like wow, it just wowed you because not only is it weird, but it's very thought provoking and yeah. very. I mean, obviously that movie tested time, and it's it's a <laughs> classic now. Right, right. So we're not we're not saying that Tree of Life is going to be a classic, but it has this potential to be something out there so much that we're going to remember for a long time. It's, it's going to be interesting. It makes me very excited for this film. It makes me intrigued. I don't know if I'd say excited. Which I'm uh, now I'm puzzled. Now now I might have to look this up. But what other past movies won this award? And if there's anything that good, right? Oh, that's think? a good question. I'm just gonna See, look it up. My typical opinion of most of these film festival awards is that they don't really they don't really matter. Right. Uh, more often than not, you know, I I feel like it very rarely does a movie win an award in the Cannes or the Sundance or you know any of these festivals that actually means something. Uh, first of all, they all each festival has like five to ten different awards. They have, you know, uh, special selection, you know, uh, mention of honor, all these different blah, 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 blah. And you always see them on these DVD covers, and it doesn't always mean something. Right, you, know? you, you always see that yeah, that one logo. It's just like, you know, Sundance or right. Cans and stuff like that. Sundance seems to be the really popular one for DVD sales. I, I Maybe they just why. give out a lot more awards. You never know. That could be. <laughs> You know, but then again, the, sometimes they do get you know some interesting movies get awarded that you've never heard of, and they turn out turn out to be really good. Right. It's just trying to figure out which award means something and which award, because there's so many awards that it's kind of hard to pinpoint. So I pulled it up. All right, what do we got? So we got Tree of Life that won this year. Last year, I never heard of this because it's some Thailand film. But the year before that, The White Ribbon by Michael Haneke won, and that was supposedly a really good foreign film. Well, that was nominated for an Oscar, right? Right, and then um, and then a couple years before that was that re- uh, four months, three weeks, two days film that was also nominated for yeah. a foreign film. I mean, there's not too many United uh, USA films on there, but right? let's see. Um, 2004, uh, Fahrenheit 9-11 won. That's interesting. 2003... Elephant or Elephanta, however, the Gus Van Sant film won. Right. Uh, those are the United States one. Also, 1994, Pulp Fiction won the cast. Wow. So I mean, it's it's it Pulp Fiction is clearly. They the do have. I mean, let's see what else. The the Pianist won in 2002. It's a good list. Of, yeah. of, of very excellent films. So that just you know it makes me excited for this. You know, I was excited before. I'm going to watch it. We're going to watch it nonetheless. Oh yeah. And they actually released the uh, the release dates. I think it's going to be wide in July 18th, but it's going to be limited starting like 
the middle of June. Yeah. And we're lucky because we have a movie theater in Montclair that plays a lot of indie films, so that's going to get it like the immediate release. Well, I think date. honestly, AMC will get it pretty early too. They usually do with with certain movies, and I feel like that's a movie it'll get pretty. S- I, I could be wrong, but right. It seems like a, a it's getting a lot of hype, so yeah. AMC's fairly good about it. Right. It or not. I mean, it's it's it's. Yeah, it's going to go wide nonetheless, eventually. But I'm just saying, like, the month before it actually gets a wide release, it's going to be in this very small theaters for a while. So, yes, we're going to see that eventually. Yes. All right. But now, it's time. Oh, no. What is it? For the Lick Shot Battle. Now, we know that you all, you've all been waiting for this moment, as as we are, as we have been as well. We, we always just, wait for we it. We kind of just, like... We have like 40 minutes of whatever we talk about, but then this is the only reason why we do podcasts anymore. <laughs> Maybe not the only reason why. So, uh, www.flickchart.com, one word, is an awesome, amazing, fantastical website that uh, compares two movies side by side, and we get to pick which one's better, and it keeps a list of them. So, let's get into it. First up, we have Schindler's List versus Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. All right. Uh, I was actually trying to remember the title of the Boogie Nights the other yesterday with my brother Joseph trying to talk about uh, you know Mark Wahlberg being in this film. Mm-hmm. Couldn't remember the, the title, <laughs> so I'm very glad to see that now I can go back to that conversation. You're like, oh yeah, Boogie say it was Nights. Boogie Nights. All right. But he kept saying it was uh, Studio Fifty Four, and I'm like, no, uh, okay. not that yeah, movie. Yeah. Anyway, Schindler's List clearly wins this. Uh, although Boogie Nights was a very entertaining movie. Indeed, Schindler's List. Next, we have Pretty Woman against Apollo Thirteen. Uh, I'm not a fan of Pretty Woman. I really love Apollo 13. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Does that mean you don't like Pretty Woman? I'm not going to say I don't like it, but okay. Apollo 13 was just awesome. I think it's a very overrated movie. Overrated? You yeah. just don't like Julia Roberts, do you? I liked her in Closer. <laughs> I know that's a really bizarre movie to, to to mention, but I thought she was really good in that film. Anyway, Spider-Man 2 versus Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Now, these are two movies I don't necessarily like. <laughs> I would have to agree with that. <laughs> but if I, I had guess to pick Spider-Man 2, right? I would pick Spider-Man 2 as well. Yeah. Because Chronicles of Narnia, I've only watched once, and once was enough for me. Spider-Man yeah. 2, I've still, I've probably watched it a good seven times, just because it's always on TV. I know? agree. That's okay to leave on. Next, we have Groundhog Day versus No Country for Old Men. Oh, man. What a... This is a <laughs> tough one. It's a tough cookie. I personally have to pick Groundhog Day. I cannot turn this movie off anytime it is on the... The, the TV. In fact, I watched it four days ago. And not only did I watch it, but I taped it so I could watch it again. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> well, I'm going to pick No Country. Are you serious? Yes. Uh, Groundhog Day was, is obviously more enjoyable, but I just think No Country was almost a masterpiece in I cinema. I think Groundhog Day is a masterpiece <laughs> in cinema. <laughs> We're going to flip the coin now. Heads for Groundhog Day. Tails, the groundhog, then it shows a shadow. Can we change that? Can it be Tails for Groundhog? Why? I don't know. I okay, like Tails for Groundhog, Heads for No Country for Old Men. Tails, Tails. It is Tails! So no uh, Sheen with the switcheroonie. <laughs> switcheroonie. <laughs> we got Kill Bill Volume 2 versus A Few Good Men. This is really tough. Uh, I personally... I haven't Kill seen Kill Bill, Bill 2. two. is the better uh, of the Kill Bill series. Okay. I thought that it was, artistically speaking, a very, very good movie. But, I mean, A Few Good Men is is classic. I mean, it, it has some, you know... Iconic. I, it does. This movie has an iconic line, you know, with Jack Nichols saying, like, you want the truth, you can't handle the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whew. 
You're going to have to pick this one because I haven't I seen know. Kill Bill 2. You haven't seen it? No, I haven't seen Kill Bill 2. I, if I'm going with, with which one I would rather watch on TV, I'd go with Kill Bill 2. Okay. So, so that's are you going with that? <laughs> nice. Happy Gilmore versus The Dark Knight. What do you think? If you pick Happy Gilmore, <laughs> I'm going to slap you across the face. It's obviously The but Dark Knight. But Happy Gilmore is an awesome out of Sandler movie. No, I'd pick The Dark Knight. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Snatch versus The Lion, uh, The Snatch. Witch, and The Wardrobe. That's twice we saw that. Yeah, no, The Witch no and The Wardrobe. I, Robot versus Gladiator. I love Gladiator. Well, yeah, Gladiator is one of the best films. It was the film I voted the best of the last decade. Right. Which was, you know... Even though I, Rob, uh, I, I, Rob, I Robot, I think it's a little underrated, I'm going to pick Gladiator as well. You think I Robot? I liked it. You think it was underrated? I feel like people, people don't like it as much as they should. Hmm. People see it just as like a Will Smith sci-fi, just just fun movie. And I thought it was, I thought they actually had some pretty good ideas I liked in the film yeah, that made it a lot really deeper and more meaningful. Okay, Love Actually, which I don't think you've watched yet after we said you were going to watch it again. That's true, I haven't. Versus Predator. The original the Predator. The original Predator. Now, see, the funny thing is, uh, the original Predator is kind of a slow movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of forest time and Schwarzenegger kind of just trolling around in, in camouflage, but I really like Predator. Oh, so yeah, I it, was, it. it was awesome, so Predator is my choice as well. Woo-hoo. Plus, we're guys, so we have to pick Predator over that's Love true. Actually. That's true. Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shied Me, versus Sweeney Todd. Now, Austin Powers, Powers is the f- this is the first one, The Spy Who Shied Me. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know it doesn't matter to me. I hate Austin Powers. I'm going to pick Sweeney Todd. I think I would also pick Sweeney Todd. I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, you did. Next, 300 versus Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I would easily pick 300. Yes. I would pick 300 just because... I don't know. If it was up against another Harry Potter film, it would be a tougher choice. I would agree. But Chamber of Secrets was a pretty weak one, one of the weakest out of the series. Ooh, this is a good one. Green Mile versus Gladiator. Green Mile versus Gladiator. I'm just going to repeat you when I say that. That is really interesting. These are both, like... Very, very good movies. Kind of epic films. Green Mile is really good. But Gladiator... I know you're going to pick... Well, that's outside of your decade, though. So (laughs) That's a good point. It's 99... (laughs) one year out but I would still pick Gladiator man the, I, I have a, one problem with the Green Mile it, which it is ripped off pieces of a Shawshank Redemption which kind of bugged me oh, that's yeah? my only gripe with the film wait what did you say it rips it, it takes some things from Shawshank Redemption that's okay because Stephen King wrote both yeah <laughs> <laughs> is that okay <laughs> but there's a, there's a lot of supernatural stuff in Green Mile there is it's like a supernatural version of Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> um, it's it's funny because if I saw both of these on TV, no, no, I'm gonna pick Gladiator as well. It was just it was just too good. But though I really do like the Green Mile. Next we have The Departed versus Spider-Man, the original the 2002 version. You could say it any way you want. Uh, you like Spider-Man. The, the Departed is gonna win. The Departed. Okay. I agree with you. Two more. Gone in 60 Seconds versus Finding Nemo. I personally like Gone in 60 Seconds. But you love Finding Nemo. I do, but I'm going to pick Gone in 60 Seconds. What? I I know. Uh, I really enjoy that movie. I think it was fun. (laughs) Over Finding Nemo. I would rather watch Gone in 60 Seconds. This is surprising me. We're flipping coin. What what, what do you want? You want to ask Tails again? You can make Tails because fish have Tails. 
Okay. And Nicolas Cage doesn't. Okay. <laughs> so Tails is Finding Nemo. Heads is gone in 60 seconds. Finding Nemo. All right. And our last matchup of the day. Spider-Man 3 versus Saw the original. Well, Spider-Man 3 was a complete mess, and Saw <laughs> the original was the best of the Saw series, so... Therefore... Ipso facto <laughs> Saw no, that, no, that does, does that always work? Can we pick like The best of a series Against the worst Of another series Kind of like the best Of <laughs> Pirates Versus the worst Lord of the Rings film No that's <laughs> right? just, That does not work well, that's, that's, I know what you're saying Well though. what about like The worst of Lord of the Rings Versus the best of Star, Star Wars Well that's just I mean Wait The worst of Star Wars So that means like The first trilogy as well no, no, the best of Star Wars. Oh, the best of Star Wars versus Star Wars. the worst of Lord of the Rings. I have to go with Star Wars. Yeah, me too. It would what be about doing it the opposite way? <laughs> <laughs> the best of Lord of the Rings <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> versus the the worst of the first three uh, uh, Star Wars. I would still movies. pick Lord of the Rings. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. Tough. We this is a good game. game. Game for next time. <laughs> that is no a good game. game for next time. Um. Oh yeah, we picked Saw for this. So we're done with Flick Chart Battle? We're done with Flick Chart Battle. Alright, so thank you for listening. It's, uh, You're it's, been, it's been a good time. I had fun. I always had fun. Do you? Join us next time when we will talk about movies. movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that All was right. fun. Alright, um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's tell, us, tell them our information in case they don't know our information. Our email, once again, is... On the movie front at hotmail.com. Our website is... otmf podcast dot blogspot dot com and our Facebook is facebook.com slash on the movie front so go hit up all those three things you can listen to our podcast and then you can go on iTunes and listen to our podcast again yes. and then you can go to Facebook and then click the link to our blog to listen to the podcast once more do it that's like a lot of podcast time it's, it's, it's good it's a good time killer you ask me but if you do it I'll sing to you what are you going to sing I don't know. Your your choice. Your choice, listeners. Your <laughs> choice. <laughs> so now you have to write in what you want him to sing, and he'll sing it on the next podcast episode. Let's do it, guys. All right. Uh, we have Hangover coming out this weekend, plus Kung Fu Panda 2. Michael, which one are you going to see? Um, Probably a double feature. Ooh. I think I'd rather see Hangover, but... It's been a while since I did a double feature. Double feature. I want to see there Bridesmaids and then Hangover 2. Ooh. That could be crazy. That would be. I think you should watch Hangover 2 first, so you end with a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Big talk from someone who didn't see the they, movie. I saw this little link today, and I'll just tell you guys this as, a, as an ending note. There's one scene in the Hangover 1 and one scene in the Hangover 2 that are the identical are an identical scene, almost shot for shot, and um, the director did that on purpose. Why? I don't know. <laughs> it seems so bizarre to me. But anyway, look out for that if you go see the movie. Okay. All right. So, we will be back next week. That's all, folks. <laughs> Adios. Peace.